gallery, I can almost guarantee you there's a giant percentage of them that still haven't done anything with their images. And for you to show up in their inbox and say like, hey, you know, I know you've been married almost a year or over a year, but um, let's put together an album. That's going to be a huge weight off their shoulders and an easy sell for you because they know I'm, I thought I would do it myself, but I didn't. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Brands That Book Show, where we help creative businesses find more clients and build their brands. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's guest is Michaela Jade of The Harris Company. Michaela and her husband have developed a brand distinguished by providing an elevated photo and cinema client experience, which has propelled their company to reach multiple six figures in less than three years. They serve a niche clientele that places a high value on printed products and photographic art. She's been featured in Rangefinder, F-Stoppers, Click Magazine, and today she's sharing with us how you can effectively increase customer value through print and product sales, and a few tips for becoming better at in-person sales. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I know that you've been super busy. You've been traveling uh, already here in the beginning of the, uh, of the 2018. Um, you were across, you were on the West Coast, right, for Mystic? Yep. Yeah. In Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And you were speaking there. What were you speaking on there? Uh, I was talking about sales there. So uh, print sales, um, virtual and in-person sales at, uh, at that show. And that was awesome. It was, I was one of very few business uh, talks, so it was different, but uh, very exciting for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's perfect. Cause that's what we're uh, talking about uh, today for sure. And then you were down in Tennessee, right? For imaging. Yes. Yeah, that was awesome. We had Miller's brought us down there to do some product photos for them. They rented out like a really cool uh, Airbnb house that we were able to use for uh, to shoot some products and stuff like that for their marketing, which is fun. Yeah, awesome. And you do a lot of work for Miller's, right? Yeah, we do. I mean, we use Miller's as our, um, you know, our primary lab. So uh, we love to collaborate with them for sure. Cool. And in the midst of all of that, you're moving into a brand new studio. <laughs> Yeah, we just moved in at the beginning of this month. So the walls are still bare, uh, but we're starting to get some furniture in. So that's exciting. It's nice to have a dedicated space downtown. So we're, we're excited. That's awesome. And where are you guys located? We are in upstate New York in a town uh, called Saratoga Springs. So it's famous for horse racing. Uh, the track is here. And uh, so it's kind of a summer town, a destination summer town. Sure. And are you having somebody move in, uh, move for you or are you guys doing it yourself? 
<laughs> no, we did everything ourselves. I mean, luckily we were coming from our home. We weren't mm-hmm. coming from another studio. So a lot of it is new. So a lot of it, we're just having be delivered here. A lot of the furniture and stuff like that. Um, we ordered all new sample products, uh, for our walls and stuff like that. So it's all being delivered, but we had to take a few trips back and forth from our house to bring some of our stuff here too. Sure. And I, I still, I think that moving is probably the most miserable experience. <laughs> I read somewhere that like, it was just like, um, biggest stresses in marriage, you know, uh, and there's, you know, having kids, things like that, like stuff that you normally expect, but high up on that list is moving. Yes. <laughs> so how are you guys, how, how is it working together? First of all, I mean, like, I'm just thinking about me and Krista, we have, mm-hmm. uh, we definitely have our, um, you know, our, our discussions, <laughs> um, th- you know, uh, as, as we work together, but moving, I think is, um, where we have some of our bigger arguments. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just a stressful time to begin with. And, um, you know, especially we're like ordering new stuff and David and I joke that he hates more than anything, um, to assemble furniture. It's just like instantly a marital dispute. Like something (laughs) is going to happen without a doubt. And, but we also don't want to pay for everything to come assembled. So it's like a catch 22. We keep ordering all this furniture that has to be built and we're spending so much time on it. And it's, always an aggravated hour or two hours um but we finally we get it done right (laughs) yeah absolutely and furniture i mean of of all things we're putting together baby uh furniture right now and i feel like uh you know i don't know who puts together these directions for these furniture companies you know with these pictures that are awful but at least once whenever i'm setting something up i have to go back and you know take it apart and then reassemble it because i put on something backwards or something like that so uh good luck to you all as you uh set up the rest of your studio thank you but and i have so many questions too about just you know the studio and uh and you know why you guys have a studio and all that but before we get there um i want to i want to talk about how you guys even got started in um videography and photography how your business came to be um and then, of course, you know, get into the good stuff around print and product sales and how you guys do that so effectively. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your business and how you got started. So I um, I started as a photographer when I, I just picked up a camera because I wanted to learn how to take better photos of our kids. Um, I was pregnant at the time, and I wanted to blog for our family that we didn't live close to. And so I started a blog just on my pregnancy story. And... Um, there really wasn't any other motivation other than that. Um, I, I just ended up really loving it. And occasionally some of my friends would ask me to take photos for them. And it just kind of fell into um, something that I really enjoyed doing. And I didn't want to go back to a corporate career after having having my first child. So I had, you know, I had said to my husband, David, hey, like, what do we have to do to make this work so that I don't actually have to go back to a corporate career and provide childcare for our, our son, our newborn at the time. And, and so that's kind of when the business side of things started to kick in, um, just trying to like make whatever I needed to make in order to get through month by month. So I didn't start out with these big aspirations to be owning a studio in a downtown area or, or any of that or having my husband come full time. But um, it really just started out not wanting to pay for professional <laughs> photos of my own family. So I figured, oh, hey, let me do it myself. And then, um, yeah, the business side of things just really took 
off. And I had a huge passion for growing the business. And so that's kind of what allowed us to grow pretty quickly. We were shooting weddings. David was just a second shooter with me at the time. And we started getting requests for like, hey, could you think you could do video? We were like, Sure, why not? And what were you guys doing before that? So um, before you started, like, what was your corporate job? So I was a business consultant, actually. So I worked for Subway restaurants as, like, a uh, field consultant for them. It was doing my very research. first job, not <laughs> not on the corporate side. I was just making sandwiches back in Me, freshman year of high school. Too. That's amazing. <laughs> Ultimate sandwich artist, right? That's right. Uh, yeah, so that that's what I was doing. I was doing business consulting for them, and uh, David was in the financial world. He was a portfolio analyst for a French bank in downtown Boston, and um, he loved what he was doing. And so he would just work with me on the side. So on weekends, you know, before before we got super busy with our kids, we would go and shoot weddings, and my parents would help out. We started getting requests for video, and so we decided to learn that. And so David kind of took on the video role and I started doing photography and we would shoot weddings together that way. And then, um, it just kind of grew from there. We, we started getting more interest and, um, eventually he came full time with us as well. So how did you make that decision for him uh, to come full time? I know that, um, you know, we get that question a lot, uh, with, you know, husband and wife teams and they're trying to bring the second person on full time. Like, how did you know, did you guys set any goals even for you leaving your corporate job, um, before you did that? And then certainly before, uh, David left his job, uh, did you have like certain markers in place where you're like, okay, now we can definitely support, uh, the both of us in this business? Yeah, you know, we didn't. I mean, looking back on it, it's probably, it probably would have been smarter to do it that way. But um, we didn't have any like financial benchmarks or anything like that that we needed to meet before before it felt right. I think it was just it had become so stressful on us and our family to have him working all day and then editing at night and then shooting on the weekends that it, we just got to a point where like this isn't feasible anymore. We can't do this. So. Yeah, I know we felt uh, the same pressure. I was teaching at the time, and Krista had already taken the photography business uh, full time. And so um, one year I decided, you know, I was going to try to both teach and, you know, help Krista more with the business. And it really was, you know, to a certain extent, a miserable year just in that, you know, at the end of a, of a long work week, you don't want to go and do, you know, more work. There needs to be some, uh, you know, rest component in there. Um, and the other thing, too, that I found was, uh, it, you know, it's kind of difficult to navigate is, um, you know, with a second person, you could theoretically do more, you know, you could book more. Um, but you can't really make that leap until you commit full time, you know, so exactly. I think there is a, a component of, you know, trust that, you know, once you leave, um, whatever job you're coming from that, uh, this will work out. So as you got started your business, um, what, what were some of like the biggest challenges early on? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, this is kind of a common, a common challenge for everyone when you're first starting out and you just are, you're looking for clients, right? You mm -hmm. just don't have enough clients. And so that was definitely me. I mean, outside of like my family who didn't want to pay me anyways, so <laughs> <laughs> I could not find people to, uh, to photograph. And so I was doing like a little bit of everything, right? I was shooting absolutely anything, anyone that would offer me payment. And I think, 
that was a little bit of a disservice because while it, it did allow me to figure out what um, what style of photography I, I enjoyed most, it didn't allow me to really hone in on a system for anything in particular. And so um, I wasn't serving my clients in a way that was good for them or good for my business. And I think once we really decided to niche down and say like, okay, we're only going to focus on weddings or you know, we're only going to serve uh, clients that place a high value on photographic art, um, that we really were able to resonate with um, the right fit. And, and, we, and then in turn, we served them on a higher level and, um, and kind of established a brand that was centered around that particular service. And so um, it really elevated our business when we actually started saying no to other, other projects and things like that. Sure. So you're really just trying to focus on the kind of work that you wanted to continue doing. Um, and you built this business in Boston, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've moved it successfully to Saratoga <laughs> Springs, uh, which is fascinating. Yeah. I, I just, you know, especially with a service-based business like photography or videography, um, word of mouth is, a, is a, certainly a component, but even like other things like search engine optimization and, and social media, like you're really I'm sorry, you're really focused on uh, serving people in a specific area. So to kind of up and move, you know, especially with your family, um, could you talk about like, what made that transition possible and so successful? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot riding on it because David's full-time job was in Boston. And um, so we would be uprooting our family and our business and our security, essentially. So um, when we were moving to a smaller town, now the cost of living was quite a bit lower. So we were able to finally get this, you know, single family home that we wanted. But at the same time, we were kind of thinking, well, like if we can't pay our mortgage, that doesn't really (laughs) matter, right? So um, we were very strategic about um, networking and moving into a new town by like basically putting absolutely everyone first. Uh, We put together, I know it's kind of like an industry term that the dream 100 to kind of put together your your dream list of 25, 50, 100 people that are currently serving your audience, um, the audience that you desire to serve. And so we started doing that. We started writing down all the prominent people in the area that we were moving to that were already serving our ideal clients. And we thought about all the ways that we could offer value to them uh, to kind of open that relationship and allow them, you know, asking them to allow us into their world. And so, um, you know, for for a year, we did free work for, um, you know, promotional videos or headshots or uh, photographs for florists. Um, collaborative events, things like that, just kind of putting ourselves at the disposal of of the industry that we were moving into. And we really, you know, it allowed us to establish friendships and relationships with those people. And and those relationships grew into referrals and a, a, and a really solid network, which ultimately, I mean, I think is what we can contribute our success in this area to. Because especially in a small town, you can't just show up as the new guy and start, you know, booking everyone under the sure. sun, right? So, um, so that's, that was, I feel, um, you know, the only strategy that really allowed us to grow so quickly in a brand new town. Yeah. We talk to, um, people, especially military couples. I feel like we, we talk with uh, a decent amount and people who are moving, you know, every couple of years and, um, 
you know, I, in the context that we're talking to them, it's often in, in terms of SEO um, and trying to build SEO uh, in the area you're moving to. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that there's nothing that replaces what you're talking about, really going out and hustling and, and making those relationships and creating friendships in the area that you're uh, going. And even if you're just getting started in an area, you know, I think that is, you know, probably one of the best strategies um, that you can take. So that's awesome. So last year, right, was your first year a uh, full year in Saratoga two, or is it two years ago two years was ago. our our first full year yeah and how many how many weddings did you uh did you all work that first year well so the first year we didn't know we didn't know that we hadn't made the decision to move to Saratoga Springs like a year in advance I think mm-hmm. it was like in six months we were like okay let's move to Saratoga let's close on a house okay we're <laughs> uprooting our business it was very quick so a lot of our clients were still back in the Boston area because they had booked us a year and a half in advance sure so the, that first summer was a lot of traveling back and forth to Boston um, but we were doing that initially with our kids anyways um, my family is from this area so we would be dropping our kids off then going back to New England to shoot and then coming back to the area to pick them up and so this was easier because it was less time in the car for them sure um, which was really nice but I would say that first year we had we still had about 20 weddings um, a lot of them were back in the Boston area we tried to cap ourselves to about 25 or less per year um, and the following year so last summer, we are this past summer, we were at 25 and an additional, I think eight that were just video clients. So, um, we had 33 weddings total and, um, it was our busiest year in a brand new town. So it was, it was pretty exciting. And we, and not only were we able to sustain the pricing that we had in a big Metro area, but we were also able to increase our pricing. So, um, That's incredible. You know, it wasn't something we thought we'd be able to, to manage, but it worked out really, really well. And, and that's really what, uh, that's what I want to move into is talking about pricing with you guys um, and, you know, print and product sales. So there, there, I think uh, in total, the trend has been more um, shoot and share. Kind of that's the, the philosophy. So the idea is, you, you know, you have a couple collections, people book that collection, and then they, they kind of, they just get all of the photos, all of the edited photos, right? I would say that that's pretty typical um, that before that, um, that shift started happening in the industry that it was, you know, um, much more common to have a, a sitting fee or have a, a session fee and then to sell prints and products on top of that. And I think that we're getting, I think the pendulum swinging back in that direction for sure. But then there's people like you all who have been doing that the entire time um, successfully. And I think people get nervous about selling prints and, and products because they think, man, I'm, you know, I'm charging uh, so much for my service to begin with. How can I justify, um, you know, charging anything more to sell prints and products? But you guys have done that so effectively. So can you talk about your, you, you know, your pricing strategy? And if, if from the beginning, did you all include uh, prints and products in your, um, in your pricing? Yeah. So, I mean, everything that you're talking about, everything from like the fear of, of selling to, um, you know, the pricing aspect, like those are all things that we struggled with as well. Um, and when we first start, when I first started my business, um, I, I didn't have a, a huge client base. I wasn't, a, you know, a high volume photographer. I wasn't even shooting. I mean, I wasn't busy. Right. So 
I, and I needed to make more because I didn't want to go back to the corporate world. So I thought, well, maybe, you know, if I could make more per client, I wouldn't have to spend as much time away from my kids. And I hadn't been experienced enough to charge a ton of money for, for my services. So I thought, well, maybe this is a great way to kind of supplement that and get that where I needed to be. And initially when I, you know, first started dipping my toes in the water, it was like, well, I mean, anything would be better than nothing. Right. So even if I have like a $200 sale or a $500 sale, like that's better than nothing. So, Mm -hmm. um, I really just, I put myself, I set my expectations very low and was just kind of like, okay, if, if I can just make a little bit more, that'll be good. And I think, you know, my first sale, I offered an album that I had printed up as like a sample. So I didn't have anything else for anything else to show them other what I, other than what I had just printed for them in hopes that they would buy it. And it was like an $800 sale, which doesn't sound like a lot now, but at the time I was ecstatic. It was like an extra $800 when they probably paid me what a thousand, 2000 to shoot their wedding. I mean, I wasn't, I was just starting out. And so that, uh, that sale was kind of like a huge light bulb for me. It was kind of like, well, if I could do this, Um, you know, I could get faster with my album designs or I could sell more next time or I could offer them this or I could have said this. And you start kind of tweaking your system just like when you're learning to be be a photographer, right? You try and do something better each time. And um, it it kind of became an addiction because I I wanted to learn how to communicate the value of these products better. I wanted to learn how to listen to my clients better to actually provide them with solutions that were meaningful. And I also wanted to grow my sales. I mean, I was in business, so I also wanted to see a return, um, you know, on the profit side as well. And uh, so it started out very small. It wasn't anything crazy, but um, but yeah, from there it was just kind of like each time I started to get better and better at it. Yeah, and I mean that's that's incredible. You almost you know doubled um, that customer's value just in that <laughs> one that one album sale sitting there. So I'm sure that was back then a huge win um, for you. Did you, you know, when you first got started, did you have anybody that you were kind of looking to, uh, to learn this stuff or was this stuff that you brought over from your, your corporate job? Just that sense that, Hey, you know, I can either become more profitable by trying to book more clients or I can, um, you know, increase the value of that customer. No, you know, uh, I mean, so it was in 2012 when I started doing um, in-person sales and there were certainly people in the industry that were doing it. A lot of it was around portrait portrait sales, but I think I had attended a workshop and um, it was in Sal Sincato was actually talking and he was talking about print sales and things like that. And it just you know, you hear about the potential and you just roll, roll your eyes, right? Because you're like, there's just no way, like whatever, you know? And and so that was me in those seats. And I'm like, okay, that works for him because, you know, he's this amazing, insanely talented photographer. And I just never thought that it could work for me. But I really wasn't in a position where I had any other option. It was either go back to work and spend time away from my newborn son or figure out how to make more money in this photography thing. And so that's kind of where I was like, well, I just needed to, to rationalize with myself. I knew that there were certain ways of doing this and it didn't feel right. I knew that salesy meant that sales mentality, like the, you know, pushy collections 
discounts. Like I, sure. that didn't feel me. It didn't feel right to me, but I knew that if the potential is there on such a wide scale that all these people are talking about making thousands of dollars more per client, if I could make just a couple hundred dollars more per client, like that would be great. Right. So, um, I just took it, you know, and tried to adapt it more to fit my personality and see, well, I know that this client would love to have an album. So let me make a small album and this is what I would have to charge them and, and start off. And I think, you know, when you talk about pricing and other educators on the in-person sales market, I think this is one of the things that so many people education wise make a huge mistake on. Um, you know, there's like all these industry standards of like, you need to charge this or you should make this profit margin. But the reality is in a creative industry where none of us are like insane, like crazy business owners, it's so scary to tell your clients for the first time what you want to charge. And so if you're if you're learning um, in-person sales and someone's telling you you have to charge X amount for what you're offering and that doesn't feel right to you and you're not confident in the value of that item, you're never going to be able to sell it. So if you don't believe in what you're offering and you're trying to charge more than you feel it's worth, it's you're, you're just setting yourself up for failure. So I almost recommend like do, do the math, figure out what you need to make on these products so that it makes sense and you can be confident in what you need to charge. But don't listen to everyone else saying you need to charge this, 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 and this. Because if you're new to sales and you go into a sales room and you are presenting someone with a, a product that you feel is way overpriced, it's going to show so easily. Your clients are going to be able to read right through you. You're going to look like a car salesman and you're going to fail. And then you're going to be afraid of sales. So if it's just a matter of like, hey, this time I'm going to charge, this is what I feel like I need to charge. I'm going to go in and maybe this year, you know, I see how that feels and see what, what, what I can sell. And next year I realize I need to bump my pricing, then fine, make those adjustments. But if you don't allow yourself that wiggle room to get comfortable and, and get confident with your sales, it's just going to, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> I bet that is uh, so liberating for uh, people to hear right now, especially people who are just thinking about, or maybe have never thought about doing in-person sales or product sales or anything like that in their photography business or, you know, their, their creative business. Um, how did you decide? Hey friends, we're going to take a quick 60 second break so I can introduce you to one of my favorite companies and the sponsor of this episode, Showit. Showit is a drag and drop website building platform created especially for photographers and creative entrepreneurs. It's used by some of the biggest names in the creative industry from Amy and Jordan Demos to Caitlin James and it's what we built our website on too. What's awesome about Showit is that it's both powerful and easy to use. The intuitively designed website builder makes it easy to change colors, fonts, images, and objects. Finally, a website you can update on your own without having to hire a designer for every tiny change. It's Google friendly and you can design the desktop and mobile versions of your website side by side to ensure your website looks great on any device. And you can even integrate a WordPress blog with your show at website, making it that much more powerful. And guess what? They have tons of free and premium professionally designed te website templates to help you get started. But what makes ShowIt such a special company is their customer support. They're super responsive and are there to help every step of the way. You can even save 10% on an annual subscription by using the code BTBSHOW. For more information, check out the show notes. And now back to our episode. How did you decide what, you know, you started with albums, but how did you decide what products um, to offer? I 
offered what I liked. I mean, it was very simple and maybe a little bit selfish, but I offered what I would um, use in my own home or with my own family. I thought of things that would be simple. So I didn't want to offer a ton of customizations because at the time I didn't, I couldn't learn them all, right? I couldn't learn all the options. But I also thought, well, if I, if this is overwhelming to me, then it's going to be really overwhelming to my clients. So let me just hone in on a few solid items that I feel my work would look really well in and just offer that. And, um, you know, I think that by providing simple solutions, it's actually better for sales because you're not bombarding the client with a bunch of different options. And now, you know, just with a few questions of asking my clients what what I feel or what they feel they want in their home, I'm able to provide them with one or two solutions that would be a good fit. And so when you can simplify it in that way, you're a lot more likely to close the sale because you're not providing them with a million different options and overwhelming them. So what does your process look like? You know, you send out your pricing um, and I'm sure you have sort of a set um, fee, you know, that, uh, so that you show up to, um, you know, the wedding, whatever that collection amount might be. Um, but then beyond that, do they know like, Hey, I'm only going to get, do you give away any of the photos or do a certain amount of photos come with each of the collections or do they get all the digital files? Like how is that stuff all broken down? Yeah. So I think a lot of this is going to be personal preference, like Mm -hmm. when you're setting up your business, but, um, and what really feels right to you, but, I think more than anything, whatever you decide, you have to be 100% transparent right from the beginning before they book. I think (laughs) so many people are, and I'm guilty myself of of saying like, oh, well, if they don't ask about the print pricing, I won't tell them until afterwards because I'm afraid they won't book me. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is like, you're just like prolonging the inevitable, right? It's going to be this really awkward conversation. And so it's better to be 100% transparent with your process and your pricing up front before they even make a final decision. Um, so that way, you know, you, if, if it's something where they have zero desire to have a wedding album or they hate the idea of putting pictures of themselves on their walls, like all of that needs to be cleared from the beginning because I mean, the worst thing that could happen is, you know, they end up booking you and you have these expectations that they're going to invest all this money into printed product. And then you invite them into your studio and they're like, totally on a whole on a totally different (laughs) mindset right and then it's really awkward and now you have you've created this animosity in your relationship that is only going to perpetuate terrible referrals so sure um 100 percent transparency has always been um you know the most successful approach but for us uh with weddings i think it's another misconception that you can't do in-person sales if you're giving away the digital files and um i contra our business contradicts that statement um we believe that as a bride myself as a married couple we wanted to have digital files um you know just for a security reason but we also value the quality and uh the sanctity of those moments and want to have them printed professionally and and done well so um you can absolutely find clients that will are willing to invest more in high quality product and the experience i mean sure. you think about there are certain things in your life you know we were joking briefly about ikea furniture and building 
thing stuff. And it's like, there are times when I would much rather pay for someone <laughs> to come in and fully install everything for me if it just saves me a little bit of time. And that's essentially exactly what you're doing when you're specializing in that full service. Of course, those clients can go to Costco or Groupon and do all the work themselves or Shutterfly or whatever else is out there. But sometimes they just want someone to do it better and do it well and do it for them. And, and that's the position that you're putting yourself in when you choose this, this type of business model. So yeah, for sure. And I think when you think about just the things that you purchase, a lot of those things you could do yourself, you know, we could do so much on our own, but we don't, you know, and, and the, the truth is that we want to go and find somebody that will provide that service, um, better than what we would do ourselves, or, you know, that would save us time. Um, and I imagine, you know, just by being upfront about your pricing and your products, if someone says, Hey, I'm not interested in ever printing my photos, uh, I would, I would assume that that's a sort of a red flag to you all. Um, and it's probably not an ideal client, you know, it, even beyond, um, even beyond them not, uh, you know, paying you more money, even beyond the, the profit aspect of it. Um, I got to imagine that that's just not the kind of client that, um, you would prefer to work with because you would prefer to work with somebody who does value, um, art and, um, you know, cherishing that memory beyond just the digital file. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think it, you know, those types of conversations are what a lot of photographers fear. Um, you know, someone saying that they're not interested in any of that, they just want the digitals. And I think it's it's what keeps a lot of photographers from choosing to offer printed product, especially in weddings. But, um, you know, I, I think it's a really awesome opportunity to open up a discussion that, um, you know, otherwise we kind of ignore, right? So there are so many online blogs that are telling brides, you know, just make sure you get the high resolution files or like the rights to the image or whatever you know, misinformation is out there, that's all they know. That's all they're hearing. So that's what they're going to ask for when they come to you. But if you take that as an opportunity to just really ask why and figure out, okay, I understand that this is what you want, but why do you want these things? Why is it important? Because ultimately we've found so many times, like someone would come into our studio and ask, you know, this is all we want. Like we don't really need all the extras. We'll do that later on or whatever. And, and really what it comes down to is that that's not actually what they want. That's what they think they want. But when you start talking to them about like how they want to relive these memories and, and what they want to do with these photos and, and we're able to show them, you know, the alternative, sometimes it's like a little light bulb for them as well. And, you know, I, I really believe that, you know, the ideal clients are not necessarily just found. Uh, sometimes they're created. Sometimes you have the opportunity to have someone in front of you that's never had a professional photographic experience before, and they don't know what an album design entails. And so in their head, maybe they think like, oh, it must, there's no way I could afford it. So I don't want it now. Um, and, and really it's our job as photographers to kind of understand that and listen to them, but also say, Hey, you know, I've also been in those shoes before and I wish someone would have told me to hire a photographer that would have done all this for me because I still don't have a wedding album, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great uh, insight around educating clients because especially when it comes to weddings, they're, they probably haven't done it before. You know, they're probably <laughs> getting married for the first time. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I think that's such a great insight around the importance of educating clients. Um, and just around the, the idea of, 
uh, ideal clients as well. You know, I think in, in, in many ways, uh, some of that conversation is overblown in our industry. Um, especially when you're first getting started, you know, sometimes it's just working with people to figure out and you might figure out, you might think, okay, this, this person's not an ideal client, but then by the end of it, you know, uh, love that kind of client. Or, you know, as you said, uh, it's an opportunity to, uh, make, uh, an ideal client through education. That's great. So um, when you move on to, so moving back to product and print sales, um, when you're actually doing the selling, all right, what are, um, do you sit down with people afterwards? I know you have a studio now, but at, at one point you didn't, right? There was a transitional uh, period where you didn't have a studio. So how did you do um, in-person sales without necessarily being in person? Yeah, I think um, so. Even still, we you know we have a physical location now, but the majority of our clients uh, come from larger metro areas and get married in our hometown because they either grew up here or their families um, would come here during the summer, or it's just kind of a, a middle ground for people from Boston and New York. It's it's like this nice little destination hub, and so about eighty percent of our current clients do not live locally. Uh, they live at least like three hours away. And so, so for them, you're probably meeting online yeah so we Skype do a lot of like online meeting yeah we do a virtual um virtual sales sessions like this where i'll hop on a zoom we use zoom uh to do screen share and um you know they'll see products in the background they're able to kind of see what some of that stuff looks like i'm able to show that walk them through some of the products and i can screen share and uh use we use fundy designer to just kind of go through the entire sales process from the album pre-design through the wall galleries that we've put together for them um, and help them pick out exactly what they want to walk away with and so it's very it's very easy to do it that way and still um, you know have that flexibility for the client where they don't have to travel in person so zoom and fundy will include that in the show notes uh, so that people okay. can access that what um, like the products when you show them like are they uh, the clients pictures in those products um, or are they just completely sample a couple maybe that you shot a long time ago yeah, so when when we have them in person, um, obviously we have sample products, physical sample products available. And I think anytime you can have someone hold those items, it's it's going to it's a lot more effective than doing things in just a picture online. Um, and so when you are doing virtual sales, it's really important to make sure that those clients are seeing that tangible product throughout the entire process all the time, being reminded of, about that. And the nice thing with um, Fundy is you can actually do mock-ups and show them their exact pictures inside rooms, or um, we do the whole album pre-design where we can walk them through the album of their own images and, and all of that. So yes, it is their own images that we are mocking up for them virtually. Okay, so they are virtual items, so you haven't actually you know, had to purchase uh, an album to show them right. physically. Um, and Fundy has all those tools uh, built mm -hmm. in, so you can mock up um, you know, frames with pictures in them or the albums, things like that. Yeah, exactly. You can choose your lab and um, right in the software. You can even order direct through certain labs right in the software. And so it's super easy. I mean, in terms of like all that's out there and for affordable affordability and um, effectiveness with sales, if you're hesitant about the technology behind all this, this is absolutely the easiest, like simplest, most affordable option. Um, it's super great. It's you know, it allows you to do everything start to finish with the sale and with your clients and not have anyone get overwhelmed because it's all in one place. So we really enjoy using it. 
So for somebody who, you know, they've been nervous just listening to this this episode, uh, <laughs> but all of this sounds incredible, you know, the idea that you could make a couple thousand extra dollars per client through in-person sales. Somebody who wants to try this out, you know, uh, do you have any advice or strategies um, that they can uh, implement, you know, to, to become better in-person salesmen or saleswomen? Yeah, you know, there there's probably a million pieces of advice that I could give myself if I look back on, you know, my trajectory with learning and fumbling over sales. But the reality is, if you don't start, if you don't just try, then you're never going to have the opportunity to tell yourself those things. So if you're on the fence about diving in, just try, just start. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to, even if it's something as simple as reaching out to a past client and just saying, hey, you know, our, I, we started offering albums to our clients and it's really beautiful to see these images in print. I'd love to put together a pre-design for you if you want to come in or we can meet up online and I can show it to you. Um, because the reality is if you start doing that for every client, even past clients that just had a digital gallery, I can almost guarantee you there's a giant percentage of them that still haven't done anything with their images. And for you to show up in their inbox and say like, hey, you know, I know you've been married almost a year, over a year, but um, let's put together an album. That's going to be a huge weight off their shoulders and an easy sell for you because they know I'm, I thought I would do it myself, but I didn't. <laughs> so do you find that when you sell albums to um, your couples that it often turns into parent albums? and other products and when you when you uh ask about you know whether people um want to see uh, an album do you do you lead with generally one product and then try to sell them other products during the meeting um is there is there any tips for making this not as overwhelming sounding to the client yeah, so I can, um, I mean, I can tell you what works for us. I think, again, it's going to depend on um, what you feel works best in your business. But we do include an album in every one of our wedding collections because it is our highest revenue generating item. So um, I believe that if you're going to build out collections, make sure you have some revenue generating items in there. And uh, that is our number one uh, revenue generating item is including the, the beginning of that album. So we include a 15 uh, a 15 spread album album in every collection. And it's kind of, you know, it's a sweet spot because it's easier for people who come in and say, you know, we, I don't think we really need a huge, robust album. This is a great solution. It's a very basic album. It's just 30 pages. Um, at least then, you know, you'll walk away with something. And then it's also a great starting point for people who do want a bigger album. They know, okay, I can upgrade it later on. I'm going to start to plan for those investments. And so it's a really great sweet, sweet spot to start with that in every collection because it opens up the conversation. And then from there, I mean, we pre-design an album anywhere from 100 to 300 images in that pre-design to show them. And then we, we narrow it down with them um, in person or virtually. So... How often do, when you pre-design that album, how often do people decide uh, to go with more photos than what initially comes in their collection? Like 99% of the time. <laughs> I think I've had one client this year that was like, no, we really just want to stick with what we already paid for. And, um, and sure, that happens. But I mean, for, you know, on average... Oh, you're bringing in what four thousand dollars on upgrades. So I it, taking one client that doesn't want it is you're going to have that. It's going to happen. But um, yeah, I mean, when you show someone their story in a beautifully un, like with music and the album design all put together for them, 
you can't say no because mm-hmm. it's beautiful and they know that more than anything years from now that's what they're going to want so um when you start having those conversations with them up front, then by the time they get there after the wedding um you know they they're ready for it and they know that that's that's important to them and they want to invest in that yeah, I just read an interesting book, and uh, it's a, a new book by Daniel Pink, and it's called When. It's really more about like productivity and things like that. But um, one thing that he mentions is that people tend to underestimate how much they're going to value a memory. So mm-hmm. essentially, these these people were asked to put together something in a time capsule, and they're asked how excited they think they would be in six months to see what the was inside that time capsule. And what they found when when it actually came around to looking into the time capsule, that they were much more excited to look than what they initially thought. And I think the same thing is true about, you know, photos, especially for guys. You know, we find that um, guys aren't quite as excited for things like engagement sessions, you know, which is something that we we push uh, really hard. Um, But at the end of the day, um, you know, people are really glad that they did things like that. They're really glad that they got albums and they can, you know, they have those photos printed. And I think from a value perspective, I know you touched on this um, a little bit earlier, if if we don't, I think if we don't push clients to actually print their photos, that oftentimes they just don't. Right. And so I think we are adding value um, in encouraging them to to uh, get prints and to get albums. Um, and like you mentioned as well, uh, if they go to Costco and do it, or they go to Walgreens and do it, you know, there's a good chance they're going to like press a color correction button or something, you know, <laughs> and they're just not going to get the same quality as what they see. Um, you know, online in the digital file. So what, um, and as, as a result of album and product sales, just last year, you did over $500,000 in print and product sales, right? Yeah. So five, well, we, we did about 185,000 in just print and product sales and over five with, um, with everything together. So yeah, I mean, the profit potential is, sure. is, um, really, really amazing. And, um, more than anything, you know, this year we were really proud of, um, our, per client average, we averaged two and a half albums per client. And so that was um, kind of just a goal we were trying to get past. Um, we have a lot of pro- uh, a lot of parents that come in and, you know, you were mentioning knowing that value. And that's that's huge for us with with parents because they have been there before. They know that like they know the value in having the album and reliving those memories. And so um, being able to open up that dialogue with them and have them weigh in on um, the couple and and getting the album and things like that has drastically helped our sales as well. And so um, I think, you know, for the first time this year, we were able to start utilizing that profit and giving back in a much bigger way. And that was a really huge benchmark for us because, you know, being a small business, it's great when you can support yourself and your family, but it's, it's even more rewarding when you're able to start really giving back, uh, in in a bigger way as a, as a result of what you're doing with your business. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. The, um, I mean, just uh, making $180,000 in, in prints and uh, sales alone, I mean, uh, that's what, you know, a lot of people hope to make in a in a year, you know, just uh, <laughs> yeah. so that, I mean, I think there's just incredible opportunity there. And I do think that it enhances uh, the customer's experience um, when you do that well. Um, so if people want to learn more, you know, and I know that you have some education around uh, this topic. Um, so if people want to learn more from you, where can they go? 
Um, so we offer a few free resources on our education site. Uh, it's just education.theharrisco.com. Um, so you can find some of our free tools there. We do have some paid programming if you're looking to really dive in and learn absolutely everything you can about um, in-person sales or personal print sales. Um, we also have that as well. But um, on my Instagram page, I, I post a lot of tips and things like that surrounding uh, sales for business owners in general. So not just geared towards prints, but just even if you're not ready to 100% dive in on the print side of things and you just need some help booking clients or getting around, um, you know, navigating the awkwardness of sales, uh, you can follow me there as well. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, anytime I'm thinking about it, uh, education, you know, and so um, Chris and I both try to do things each year just to grow and learn. Um, but one of the main questions we ask ourselves is ROI, you know, and what is the return if I take this course, um, if I read this book, if I go to this conference, what's the return I'm going to get? Um, on doing that. And I think with print and product sales and in-person sales, uh, the kind of stuff that you have to offer, um, the, the ROI is insane. You know, so yeah. I would encourage people to, at the very least, uh, check out those um, free resources. But if you are interested in um, a business model like uh, the Harris's have set up, uh, you should go and you should check out, um, you know, some of their paid uh, options as well. So thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I know that you are uh, super busy. I mean, just it's, <laughs> we're, we're barely through the first uh, month of the year and you're already, you're already, we're at two, two different conferences and you're moving into a studio. Are you speaking anywhere else this year uh, that people might be able to catch you? Yeah, I am. I will be at WPPI. I'm actually doing a master class on authentic in-person sales. So um, perfect for those of you that don't want to come off as a car salesman, um, but still want to be able to provide an elevated service to your clients. Uh, that's an awesome class. You can find me there. Um, and then after that, we do have a few other conferences I, that we're planning on attending. I'm not sure if we'll be doing, we're looking at doing some more um, smaller intimate workshops surrounding those conferences, as well as uh, some intimate stuff here in our studio. Uh, so that way we can work a little bit more hands-on with a smaller group and, and help adapt some of those sales strategies to their own businesses. And uh, how many Ironmans are, uh, is Dave <laughs> going to run this year? Have you? I think last time we talked, you, you got to decide the location. For you yeah, guys listening, I, I think that's probably why we still don't have one on the calendar <laughs> <laughs> because it's been up to me. Yeah, we have not decided on that. Um, but I'm not sure. We'll have to. We're, we've been looking at different countries. I want to kind of take it out of the country. Um, he loves, he absolutely loves doing the Ironman, but it is uh, a huge uh, commitment for him and sure. for our business. I mean, and I our barely family. have a, I, I, a marathon, might be on my bucket list, you know, but I can't yeah. even imagine, you know, the mental step up that you would have to take to, to dedicate yourself to um, participating in an Ironman competition. It is, quite frankly, the definition of insanity. I mean, I see some of these people and I just, I, I'm just, I'm floored. It's just insane uh, what you put your body through, but, um, it's a really cool experience and, um, you know, it's fun to see how much he enjoys it despite all the training and everything else. Yeah. I mean, just the amount of time and with all the stuff you guys have going on, that's just impressive. Well, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, thank and, you. Uh, this I'll be was sure awesome. if you have a workshop or anything like that, uh, let me know and I'll be sure to share, um, in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands at Book Show. To stay up to date with the latest episodes, make sure you hit the subscribe button. 